Welcome to the South Carolina State Libraries podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our virtual podcast studio, W. Clay Cresswell. Clay has been a North and South Carolina region shark bite investigator for the Shark Research Institute Global Shark Attack Files since 2004. In his role, he has become a trusted media resource for the National Geographic Channel series, When Sharks Attack, and local television, newspaper, and online news outlets. He is an, an environmental health program specialist with the Pender County Health Department in North Carolina, and is the author of Sharks in the Shallows, Attacks on the Carolina Coast, and that's published by the University of South Carolina Press. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to have you with us. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your book, Sharks in the Shallows. All right. Well, I was born in Shelby, North Carolina, which is in the Piedmont region of the state. Um, I'm the youngest of three siblings. And uh, as my my youngest memories uh, with the family, we would always get together with grandparents, uh, uncles and cousins and have a week long beach trip. Uh, we started going to Spring Maid Beach, and later on in, in, in the years, we we transferred to Oak Island, North Carolina. But when we were going to Spring Maid Beach, my mother taught me how to hunt for shark teeth. And it fascinated me at a very young age, and it stuck with me. To this day, it's still a hobby of mine. Um, but that got me going with uh, my fascination and, and love of sharks to top that off in 1975 when I was five years old my parents went to see Jaws and for some reason they took me along and I still remember how it felt to see that movie the first time at the age of five I absolutely loved it and from that point on I've been fascinated with sharks and studying sharks and shark attack behavior well you know you mentioned about um collecting shark's teeth. I did that as a, as a child as well. And I think that kind of got me interested in fossils and gems and minerals and, and all those kinds of things, because it's amazing what you can come across. And also you mentioning Jaws. I have that same vivid memory of seeing Jaws as a kid, except I think it had a negative impact. in my <laughs> Yeah. I think it's unusual for a five-year-old to, uh, to look at that movie and just Love it, but I absolutely loved it at five. It didn't scare me at all. It, it fascinated me. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, so tell our listeners a little bit about Sharks in the Shallows. Well, the book is pretty much a testimony um, to my love and fascination of sharks. Um, it's, a, it's a statement to their value in this world. Uh, it's a permanent record documenting shark behavior in terms of shark and human encounters in the Carolinas. Um, and it's also a um, safety guide to uh, help swimmers learn how to lessen their chances of encountering a shark. That's interesting. And one of the interesting things I think a lot of people don't think about when you said um, what their value is, I don't think a lot of people know or maybe assume what a shark's value is. So can you elaborate on that? Yeah, sharks are extremely important to our world. Uh, they are important in keeping uh, different um, 
sections of the marine environment uh, populations in check. Uh, they uh, rid out the sick and dying uh, in our oceans, keep our oceans clean from doing that. And balance, like I said, balance populations of, of various fish, species, mammals, reptiles, which is very important. Uh, if uh, we don't have balance, any particular species could uh, overpopulate and wipe themselves out. So sharks are extremely important in keeping that marine ecosystem uh, balanced in check. I think what a lot of people don't realize is that, um, or I think actually a lot of people just think that there are no predators of sharks. Is that true? Or are there any other kind of species that, that will prey on sharks? Uh, there are some animals that prey on sharks. Not all sharks are considered apex predators. Um, there, there are some uh, whale species that uh, can even, even white sharks, which are apex predators in the world, uh, they have been known to been killed and consumed by uh, orcas. Uh, other fish will kill, uh, grouper can kill and eat certain species of sharks. So they, they are hunted as well. It's interesting. I think a lot of people don't think about that. I know one time I was down in the Caribbean and um, I was at Buck Island, which is right off the coast of St. Croix. And I was getting out of the ocean and something hit the side of my leg and it was a baby lemon shark. And it was just the cutest thing. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, it was not. It, it kind of freaked me out for a second, but it just kind of got caught in the wave and bumped right up against me. And then I thought, "Ooh, do I have a cut on my leg or... <laughs> And you knew uh, for sure it was a lemon shark. You saw it and can identify oh, it. Oh yeah, yep. Because I talked uh -huh. to the tour guide afterwards, and he said, "Oh yeah, this is season for him." Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So that was fun, but uh, that's been my own my one and only encounter. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, the last one as well. That's right. right exactly. So, um, <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how the idea for this book came about. Did you always know you wanted to do a book about this or was it something you just played around with for years? Well, for years, I've been thinking about uh, an idea of, uh, of a shark book, but specifically focused on the Carolinas. Um, so I'd been toying with that, that idea and, and, and working on outlines for a long time. But then our executive director for the Shark Research Institute, Marie Levine, she, during a communication with her, she suggested that I write a book. And so that uh, those uh, projects that I've been working on came back to light, and that was the go light I needed to go ahead and get this thing started. So really, Marie Levine is the one that uh, inspired me to really write the book. That's great. And... Um... Talk to us a little bit about your writing style. How the, I, I actually don't have a copy of this yet because we haven't gotten a copy in our library, but it is on order because I see that the publication date isn't till uh, next week, June 14th. So hopefully we'll be getting that in soon. But tell our listeners a little bit about your writing style and kind of how the book is organized. Well, the book is, is quite different than my normal writing style. Uh, my normal writing style, I would call it... Um, creative and descriptive. I do write poetry, uh, song lyrics, and uh, creative storytelling. But for Sharks in the Shallows, it's more of a, uh, I wouldn't say too technical, but it's more of a straightforward, fact-based, to-the-point uh, style of writing, which is perfect for the type of book it is. It's a, a informative fact book full of, of, of facts based on scientific research. So it's written perfect for what it is. Cool, cool. And um 
also tell us the story behind the title. A lot of times, you know, uh, when people start writing a book, they have a title in mind, but then sometimes that changes over time. And sometimes the publisher and editor say, no, it needs to be this. So what's the, what's the story behind the title? Well, I'll have to give the the uh, the press credit for the 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 uh, title we went with for the book. The original working title I had was "Shadows in the Shallows: Cases from the Carolina Shark Attack File," uh, but someone in the press rec uh, suggested that um, that's a little too vague. Uh, you need to put sharks, you know, right on the uh, cover of the book to make that the focal point, and people will know what we're talking about. So we changed it to sharks in the shallows attacks on the Carolina coast, which I love. I think it's great. And also I'll just kind of describe the book cover for our listeners is that there is a huge jawbone on the beach. So can you talk to us about the picture? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, my wife and I, this is the idea of the cover I had for the book. This is my shark jaw. It's a dusky shark jaw. Um, I had the idea of sitting the jaw up in front of the ocean to take a, and uh, using that for the cover. So I set it up with a fishing line, held it. My wife took the, the picture and the press decided to use it for the cover. They had discretion on what cover they wanted to use and they chose to use this one. So we were very happy with that. That's great. That's amazing. A lot of times, you know, there's either artwork that is is created for a cover, but um, I think it's kind of rare that just, you know, a photograph that that you and your wife set up and took uh, made the cover. So that's really cool. Yeah, I think the, the cover speaks volumes for what the book represents. I just think it was perfect. It's a, actually, it turned out to be a beautiful picture. That's actually at Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Gosh, yes. I haven't yep. been there in years, but I know that's Curie <laughs> Beach and, and all that yes. area around Wilmington, isn't it? That's right. We, that, we live pretty close to, to Wrightsville Beach. So that was the closest beach to us. Very cool. Um, so what I'd like to do is, if you wouldn't mind just reading a brief excerpt from the book and kind of give our listeners a little taste of what it's about. Sure, I'm going to read a, uh, the, uh, a little bit of the preface for you, and actually you can relate to this, but uh, here it goes. We were not alone among the rolling waves in the ocean that day. The possibility of danger concealed just within the murky green-brown surf was not on my mind that sunny July afternoon in 1993. In my early 20s, I was vacationing at Long Beach, North Carolina, on Oak Island, as my family had done since my childhood. The beach was fairly crowded, and a few family members, friends, and I were wading approximately waist-deep. We had been in the warm, salty water for nearly an hour when suddenly a shockwave of fear shot through me as I felt the slick, smooth strength of something meeting my outer left thigh. Despite lasting mere seconds, I remember thinking that whatever it was felt heavy, resembling a log riding a gentle subsurface current. Instinctively, I jolted out of the immediate area, alerting my group. No one else seemed too worried about it, though, so I tried to shrug it off as the staggering weight of my fear melted into a lingering feeling of uneasiness. Shortly afterward, a friend in our group also felt something bump his leg, and he too moved quickly from the area where he was standing. The feeling of eeriness seemed to creep its way onto the others now, coloring us all with a sense of being uncomfortably exposed in the waif deep waist-deep opaqueness below the surface. When the same man in our group was bumped a second time, his reaction of panic had us all scurrying for shore. 
We will never know exactly what grazed against us that summer, but whatever it was took away our desire to re-enter the surf for the rest of the day. It has remained ingrained in my memory, becoming yet another contributing factor to a lifelong fascination with the shadows in the shallows, especially those in my local waters, swimming just below the surface, unseen, yet sometimes felt. Wow, that uh, that gave me a few goosebumps there because I can just picture <laughs> standing waist yeah. deep in that murky ocean we've got. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was a very that that was a scary feeling. I don't. I'm, I'm surprised I didn't hit the shore right after it happened because I remember what it, whatever it was had some weight behind it. Mm-hmm. I do remember that, but uh, anyway. Well, I'm I'm a big fan of snorkeling, and so of course, you know, there's not really much snorkeling you can do off the Carolina coast, but um, you know, down in in South Florida and the Caribbean, it's it's amazing what you can see. And I've never, uh, other than that lemon shark, I've I've never all the snorkeling I've done, even over in Hawaii, I've I've never seen another one. So. Yeah. Well, when people read the book, they're going to see just how rare these these incidents are. I mean, they're they're really statistically insignificant if you look at the big picture uh but they're you know when they when they do happen they generate uh, a lot of attention uh pretty much based on our because of our fear of the unknown really mm-hmm. uh but the book is really pro shark it uh it would detail the importance of the animals um and it's a safety guide as well and uh, it shows how rare these events actually are. Sure. Um, so uh, I noticed in your in your bio, you've become a trusted media resource for National Geographic's uh, When Sharks mm-hmm. Attack. How did that come about? Um, I've had National Geographic and Red Rock Films contact me on a number of occasions uh, with questions uh, regarding shark attack statistics in the Carolinas, which I happily give them. Um, I was actually on when sharks attack. Um, one of the episodes, I don't remember the year, but uh, one of those episodes that uh, I make an appearance on, and actually they used some of that footage to to use for another one that they did years later. So I'm actually on two episodes actually of when sharks attack. But uh, they they had my contact information, um, I guess, from their research. They got a hold of me and and. And I have been um, communicating with them over the years when they have questions regarding shark statistics in the Carolinas. Sure. And um, if if and when there are any shark attacks, do any local news media outlets contact you? Sometimes I have I've had uh, media contact me. I've had others contact me, but most of the time uh, we get word of it from the media or some other source. And then we'll start the investigation process once we learn about it. And how do you go about that? What's the investigation process like? Do you have to interview the the person? Uh, if we can, if they're willing to, I'll, I will interview the the bite victim or the victim's family. <clears throat> I will interview uh, police uh, officers that may have been on scene or EMS workers, fire firefighter workers, uh, to gather as much detail as we can. Uh, I have a, a questionnaire that I, I, I go by to gather information that's uh, very detailed concerning what the victim was wearing, uh, did they have any injuries, uh, what were the environmental factors in the area, and so on. 
And I'm wondering what, you know, when you're talking about that, what kind of things have you seen? Do you see mostly, you know, very um, uh, superficial attacks or, or very, very severe aggravated ones? The majority of the bites I investigate have been minor, very minor in injuries, usually coming from smaller fish uh, hunting species such as black tips or spinner sharks. Uh, I have investigated some severe bites from larger animals such as bull sharks um, and a few cases of uh, fatalities that uh, aren't confirmed shark attack but could possibly be shark attacks. Sounds rather intense. Yeah, but the majority have been minor injuries. And about how many shark attacks do you see in any given summer season? Uh, is it is it something that has have you seen it progress over time or still maintain rel relatively low in the percentages? I would say on average it remains um, pretty steady. We we see about one to three bites per year usually. Now, uh, some years spike higher, we five or more. Um, but I don't think there's a trend of increased shark shark activity. I think it's more of an increase in uh, uh, reporting. I mean, a minor bite can be online in a matter of minutes if somebody has a cell phone and is on the beach. They can let people know right away. And, you know, back in the 80s, 90s, we didn't have that technology. But now I think you're getting more information on these incidents because of our technology. Exactly. And, of course, when something happens and if it gets, you know, on social media, then it can really go crazy. It can. And and you'll see in the book it, it can be um, blown way out of proportion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that is mentioned in the book. There's several. There's a section in the book called "Summers of the Shark," which we talk about, um, you know, certain certain times uh, when cases have spiked higher, and uh, the media can can use that um, fear we have of these animals to to generate a major news story more than it actually is. But, right. You're right. Yeah. And, and if, if one of those stories just gets blown out of proportion and it gets repeated, repeated over and over on social media, then people are thinking it's more than just that one incidence. Absolutely. So yeah. it happens. It does. So since this is Library Voices, um, I wondered if you had any kind of library story that you could share with our listeners. It could be anything about, you know, using the library from childhood or, or using it as an adult or writing the book. Well, my library story is probably pretty predictable. Um, what I remember in elementary school and in our public libraries, I would love to go to the uh, animal section and I would find every shark book. I probably checked out and read probably every shark book they had in our schools and the public libraries over the years. Uh, sharks, dinosaurs, and even, um, you know, like, monsters that kind of stuff that was that's uh what consumed my interest and um and i never grew out of that so <laughs> that's great you know i mean because um that's that's what libraries are for is to foster that kind of um inquisitiveness in in young kids and and you know make them lifelong learners absolutely absolutely very valuable
That's cool. So um, one of the things I did want to mention, uh, this book is by University of South Carolina Press, published, and it is uh, uscpress.com, Sharks in the Shallows, and we will have a link to that on our podcast page. And I also want to mention that you also have a Facebook page and group for Sharks in the Shallows, so folks can go into Facebook and do a search for Sharks in the Shallows, and they'll come across that there. What kind of things are talked about in the group? Uh, we try to put mostly uh, anything shark-related that occurs in North or South Carolina. So you'll see a lot of shark teeth found on the beach from our areas, some shark sightings, um, things like that. That's cool. I'm sure a lot of people who are, are really into that and uh, you know use that as a great resource. So that's, that's absolutely great, great to have that out there. So uh, as we wrap up. Um, do you have any other kind of projects or maybe even any other events coming up? And also, are you available to talk to uh, library groups? Um, I'm, I don't have any um, anything planned, but I'm certainly willing to talk to any group that wants to that has an interest in the book. Uh, I am currently working on a few projects. Um, uh, shark research is a continuing thing. I'm working on. I'm outlining a a study on bull shark behavior. Maybe that'll see some light in the coming years. Uh, I've got uh, some children's books I'm working on. I also have a book on um, horror stories that are based on true events, things that uh, I've experienced or that I've been told about, or some have been, uh, there are facts that you can research. So working on those, and I'm working on one more project about uh, prehistoric creatures of the Carolinas. So staying pretty busy. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. you do have your uh, hands in a lot of areas. So that's that's cool to hear. We look forward yeah. to, to seeing that. So I'm, I'm assuming we can find more information on any of those things on your Facebook page and um, just look for those in the future. Just look for those in the future. I'm, I'll be working on trying to get several of these things published. So I'm working on it. Very good. Thank you. So um, I really appreciate you talking with me today. And uh, so thank you for being with us. Well, I appreciate you having me. I really do. And uh, thank you. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher and TuneIn Radio or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is librarievoices.podbean.com. We also love hearing from our listeners, so please send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. So until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.